safer sex. Intercourse. Condoms. Sexually transmitted infection. HIV. HIV. Sexual health. Treatment. Prevention. Sexual attraction. Sexually transmitted Hello, welcome back. I'm Heather, and you're listening to the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast, where we talk about all things related to sexual health. Give a little, change a lot. This is the theme of this year's National Volunteer Week, representing the millions of volunteers who make a profound impact on their communities through giving a little of their time. According to the Productivity Commission, each year volunteers in New South Wales contribute 240 million hours, valued at $5 billion, to local communities. Collectively, volunteers constitute the largest and most diverse workforce in the state. Volunteers have been an integral part of the Australian HIV sector from the earliest days. They played a vital role during the AIDS crisis of the 1980s and drove the formation of organisations that went on to lead HIV advocacy in Australia. Today, a great deal of important work in HIV and sexual health still relies on the contributions of a thriving and diverse volunteer workforce. To find out more about volunteering in our sector, we spoke to Tiffany and Jason from the Ankali Project, which is part of Southeastern Sydney Local Health District and trains and supports volunteers to provide emotional and social support to people living with HIV. We also spoke to Reg from ACON, formerly known as the AIDS Council of New South Wales. Uh, well, my name's Tiffany and I'm a social worker at the Ankali Project. I've actually recently um, seen my one-year anniversary with the Ankali Project, so I only joined the organisation a year ago, um, but very happy to be here. Um, I come from a background of working with volunteers, um, cowed communities, young people in local government, um, but also uh, I have that experience as a hospital social worker, um, working at large tertiary hospitals. Um, and I came to the Ankali Project because um, personally uh, I've really been attached to and rewarded by the experience of volunteering. Um, I've been volunteering since I was age seven, eight, um, as a library monitor, super daggy. Um, but I've had you know more than yeah, 10 to 15 volunteer roles in my life and um, just really been rewarded by the experiences with different people or different settings, um, I found it really educational. And um, as a social worker, I've found it really interesting to work with volunteers as well using my own personal experience of volunteering, but also using my social work training to you know, deliver training or uh, to provide um, supervision, support. Uh, so there was a number of reasons that brought me to work with the Ankali Project um, obviously, uh, being a project that looks after people who are affected by HIV, um, a lot of our clients are yeah, members of the LGBTI community, and I really identify, I guess, with um, the experience of discrimination or social isolation. Um, they're issues that I'm really concerned about and issues that uh, I really personally and professionally want to kind of address 
my own personal story is that uh, my parents were both refugees. My grandparents were refugees. So I've come from a background of two generations um, who have fled war and um, tried to make a new life in a different country. And, yeah, I think uh, the Ankali Project uh, has a place for everyone because we cover a lot of issues. So, you know, it's about providing social and emotional support to people who are affected by HIV. Um, but that social and emotional support is really varied. Um, and volunteers uh, come in all shapes and sizes with different experiences, which is wonderful because our clients are just as diverse. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of great combinations um, that result in excellent, um, you know, really rewarding relationships, I think, for all parties. Yeah. So as you've touched on there, the Ankali Project is a stalwart of the HIV sector in Australia. You've been doing your important work since the 1980s, and as you say, volunteers have been a vital part of Ankali the entire time. Mm. I know this question could fill the whole podcast, but can you give us a quick highlight reel of Ankali's history? Well, uh, we have been a service that have been around since 1985. Uh, we've been a service that modelled, uh, we modelled ourselves originally on a uh, project called um, the, the Shanty Project. It's based in uh, San Francisco and that was originally started in the US as a response to managing the HIV and AIDS epidemic in the US. Um, some Australian health professionals went over and, you know, discovered that service, found it really inspirational and brought it back to Australia. So the Ankali Project is the only manifestation of that. Um, and since 1985, we've trained uh, 2,000 volunteers to support over 2,000 clients. Uh, we have two volunteers who have volunteered for over 20 years, so since the 90s. Wow. Yeah, 26, 27 years. I've never done anything but 26, 27 years, aside from take breath or maybe take a few steps, you know. Um, we've delivered 103 volunteer training programs. Um, and really, our model of HIV, social and emotional support, has changed. Um, originally, we were providing grief and loss support and almost in a palliative care setting. Um, and really it's now about uh, social and emotional support to people who are isolated. Um, and also, you know, we've seen and witnessed uh, the changing medical management of uh, HIV from the 90s um, to what it is now. And so, you know, we've seen how that's provided opportunities for people to live longer better lives um, but yeah there's still issues for clients who've lived with HIV since before that time um, you know I think one thing that was really striking um, when I started working in the sector is just um, you know the incidence and um, prevalence of post-traumatic stress um, amongst people who have been in this community um, lost many loved ones to HIV or AIDS um, and have lived through that despair of, you know, being told that they would have limited lives, should quit their jobs. Yeah. So you touched on training there, the training that you give volunteers. Mm. And one of the key features of the Ankali Project is that you, you do give really thorough training to volunteers before they start in their role. 
Can you explain a little more about this training program and why it's so important? Of course. Um, so, look, we run a comprehensive three-day-long training program and we do that three times a year, typically at the beginning of the year, the middle of the year and the end of the year. And uh, training is about preparing volunteers for their role in supporting clients. Um, really, we offer this in a boutique environment and um, what that means is organising um, only a limited number of uh, volunteers to the training. Um, we want smaller groups because um, what we know is that um, those smaller group environments allow the volunteers to get to know each other better um, and the staff also uh, get, to attend, get to attend to people and um, offer them more one-on-one -on -one support in that environment. Um, the training is really varied, um, so you know, we offer participatory experiences, um, various exercises, um, lots of breaks, uh, videos, uh, and presentations from people in the community. And that might be presentations or talks from people who are current volunteers, current clients, or people who are living with HIV. Then um, there's also online training aspect to it. Uh, so yeah, it's super varied and we try to make it fun. Um, but really it's about uh, providing volunteers with a toolkit. Um, so we hope that in that toolkit we offer you know, various tools and strategies and exercises that they can carry through their volunteer journey and uh, you know, use as needed when they're supporting clients or you know, needing to support themselves. Um, the topics we cover are themselves varied as well. So you know, we look at communication skills, managing ethical dilemmas, uh, psychosocial views, um, managing boundaries and uh, grief and loss. So the HIV landscape has obviously changed immensely since the Ankali project was first established. And as you touched on before, your volunteers are now working in a very different context than they were in the early days. How would you explain why the Ankali project is still a vital service for people living with HIV? I think this is a really great question, Heather. Um, you know, we actually we actually come across this often. Uh, the three social workers that work here, you know, we come across uh, staff or um, people that we meet in our personal lives, and uh, they say, "Oh, is that what you do?" And uh, do people still need that type of support? And uh, the the answer is yes. You know, people are still isolated and in need of social and emotional support. HIV has not ended and long-term survivors are in more need than ever. And um, there are also people who are newly diagnosed and need support um, while they are just living with HIV. So uh, volunteers are vital for the support of those clients um, because they provide something that no one else can. Um, in fact, uh, the team are surprised because we're constantly having uh, referrals for new clients. Um, we have at the moment 137 clients. In the last two months, we the last two, three months, uh, we have 25 new clients. So yeah, there's absolutely still a need for the service and uh, we still need volunteers. Uh, they 
they do something for these clients that no one else can. And actually it was an Albion Centre psychologist who was recently, you know, um, providing all these compliments and just really appreciative of um, the work of some of our volunteers. And he said to me, um, you know, volunteers can do things with and for clients that clinicians and professionals simply can't. And that is that volunteers can show clients that they're people that belong and are cared for. And so I think that's really, really special. You know, we don't have any type of service um, in health or like um, government welfare that offers this to clients um, and to volunteers. It's, it's really unique. Yeah, it's yeah. a really powerful statement. Mm. I can tell from looking at photos of Ankali events that your volunteers are a really diverse group of people. You have men, women, people of all ages, but is there anything that they all have in common? Does Ankali attract a particular type of volunteer? Yeah. Look, um, yeah, our volunteers really are a diverse group of people. Um, you know, we have people who are within the LGBTI community and people who aren't. We have people who have been personally affected by HIV, um, either themselves um, or in their family, people that they know, um, and people who have no understanding of HIV. Uh, recently, we saw we welcomed a few new, very young volunteers, 18 and 19 years old, um, very young. Um, but my gosh, that's fantastic. If young people are wanting to contribute to this community, wanting to learn, I think that puts us in a really good position for, you know, um, our future years. But yeah, you know, we also have retirees as well. I really think that, you know, the universal characteristic of our volunteers are that they're caring people, you know, they're really about friendship, um, about inclusion, support, diversity and uh, community. Um, it really is the volunteers that make the project what it is and it really makes my job as rewarding as it is. Um, you know, I have you know, the luck to say that you know, I really enjoy coming to work each day because they're really amazing people, inspiring, diverse. Um, yeah, and they're so appreciated by their clients and, and, and the professional community as well. Hmm. So how do you find these people? What are your <laughs> strategies for recruiting these amazing volunteers? Oh, gosh. Um, look, uh, we do a number of different things. Um, really, we have a partnership with the Centre for Volunteering. Uh, they're the peak body uh, for volunteer management in New South Wales. And so that partnership with the Centre for Volunteering really gives us the bulk of our volunteers. Um, but we also have volunteers who uh, respond to our advertisements on seek.com, um, also Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, we have university listings at uh, the University for Technology Sydney, um, University of Sydney as well. Uh, so we yeah, have uh, university communities responding to us that way. Uh, word of mouth is really powerful. So our current volunteers are really like our best advocates and our best, you know, representatives. Uh, we also do community events. So, you know, we were at Fair Day uh, this year um, in February, really long, hot day. 
Um, and we were, uh, yeah, we had a World AIDS Day activity event last year in December. So, you know, those sort of events put us in touch with uh, the public and um, we have people, you know, sign up um, or register their interest at those things. Um, we're also joining uh, the 21st century <laughs> by getting online. So, you know, we're doing social media as well using Facebook and um, that's great in the sense that, you know, um, it's not just potential new volunteers, but um, we're also kind of engaging in having comments and likes from um, you know, old volunteers, former volunteers, and that's fantastic. But, um, yeah, you know, we could definitely use some help in finding more volunteers. Um, yeah, you know, we're always welcoming of anyone who's interested or, you know, it might not be ready now but would think about it at another time. Yeah. So we have an Ankali Project volunteer with us today as well, Jason. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the Ankali Project? Yes, so hi. Um, I've been in Sydney for six years. I was in London before that, um, before I left the States almost 20 years ago. Um, I got involved with the Ankali Project just over three and a half years ago. Um, it was my goal and plan once I settled into Sydney that I was going to look for a volunteer program I could really get into. And I was talking to a friend who works for ACON, and he was the one that mentioned Ankali to me and told me about a training that was upcoming. So sent my application, and here I am today. Um, it's very similar to a program I got into when I was in university called the Cascade AIDS Project in Portland, Oregon. Um, I did that probably for about six months in my early 20s, um, but I stopped because of expectations with school, sports, and work. I just couldn't commit to the program long enough. So it was actually quite some time before I actually started doing volunteer work again. Um, I've always been, I guess, informed from an early age about HIV and AIDS. When I was in school, um, probably in the third class in high, third junior high school, whatever equivalent that is, um, we did a big project on AIDS and HIV, um, which at that time was kind of, I think, out there and not very normal for school kids to do in the end of the 80s, um, early 90s. And we had to do interviews with people living with the virus, and it really opened my eyes at an early age to this thing I'd, that I had only heard of and such horribly negative um, mention in any of the press or on TV. That's a really interesting backstory. So talk us through a standard week as an Ankali volunteer. Oh, standard week. Um, I don't know if there is such a thing as a standard week. Um, mine is a bit different because I actually have two clients I work with. Um, so with my one client, um, usually we start the week off with some phone calls, some texts, arranging when we're going to see each other because we're a bit flexible with our, our time together. Um, and Thursdays, I have a regular set meeting with my other candidate because he really likes structure um, and a regular schedule. Um, and then usually it's about an hour with each of them per week. And on Wednesdays, I have my group um, peer meeting where we get together with the other volunteers in my group, discuss our clients, any issues, any concerns, or just give updates what's going on. 
Um, and I'm one of the team leaders in our group, so then I also do the reporting back to the um, social workers. So what were your expectations coming into this role? What did you want to get out of volunteering with Ankali? Um, my expectations were almost, as weird as it sounds, a bit selfish. Um, one thing for me is I really wanted to get out, meet new people outside of the standard circle of friends and work. Um, I'm also, by nature, a very quiet, introverted person, so I really wanted to push myself to really get out there, do small talk with, and have those conversations with people, which is not a, very comfortable for me to do most of the time. That is not coming across in this interview at all. I'm a good faker. Um, and it's also that feeling of helping people, and that good feeling you get from helping people, um, which I get from doing this. Um, and I also do some work with um, the um, Sydney Children's Hospital with their Camp Good Time for kids and families of HIV. So as you've touched on there, we hear from a lot of volunteers that one of their motivations for volunteering is that they want to give back to the community. What would you say has been the most rewarding part of your time with the Ankali Project? It definitely is that give back to the community thing. Um, a lot of people give money to charities and that's how they feel they give back. For me, I feel it's more important that I give my time because that is so difficult to get from people to give to organizations like um, Ankali or the Sydney Children's Hospital. Um, the most rewarding thing, the thing I get out is when you see that you have made a slight impact on somebody's life. Um, for the people that we do a lot of volunteer work, a lot of their time is surrounded by social workers or doctors or nurses and they're always a client, they're a file. Um, and I think it's very important that they have somebody that isn't treating them clinically in any way, that they're just a regular person and they don't have to worry about their stigma for a little bit. That's a really powerful way of phrasing that. So you may have touched on this already, but what is it about the Ankali project that keeps you motivated to come back and keep volunteering with them? The biggest thing the thing I look forward to the most is probably um, our peer group meetings. Um, you're just surrounded by, you know, you have a room full of people that are very compassionate, very caring. And when you have busy work weeks and it's just crazy and manic, especially if you have a typical kind of corporate -y job, you're not surrounded by that all the time. And you have like an hour to two hours every week where you're just in this oasis of just nice people who like to help people. And it's just a great escape. That's and that lovely. definitely keeps me coming back. And the support you get from the social workers is also absolutely incredible. So what would you say to somebody who wanted to get involved with a HIV or sexual health service as a volunteer? I would have to say they have to be in the right place, both mentally um, and emotionally, because you do get exposed to oftentimes some confronting and some difficult situations, and it's not it's not comfortable or pretty all the time. It's there's there's kind of sometimes a darker side. You deal with some really tough issues where people are dealing with 
uh, there's some discrimination, they're being cut off, and they're just not happy. And you just, it's not sunshine, clowns, and roses. There's, it's, sometimes there are some really kind of gray days where you really rely on the other volunteers and the social workers to give you that support when you need it. So it's rewarding, but you wouldn't say it's easy. It, yeah, it's definitely, it's very rewarding, but it's, it's not easy. It's not a, a stroll in the park. There's, there's definitely some work involved with it. And what's the main piece of advice you'd give to HIV or sexual health services wanting to attract volunteers to participate in their service? I think it's good to let people know why these kind of services are needed um, because it's not necessarily clear to a lot of people why volunteers are needed. Um, I'm quite vocal to let people know that I do volunteer work in the HIV community because I find it, it's kind of become part of my job to educate people. Um, I've had people that I've told, oh, I do this volunteer work for Ann Colley, I explain what we do. And a lot of times they're surprised because there's not a lot of, there's a real lack of education out there. They don't know that there's still a need. There's still people that seem to think that if somebody's HIV positive, that means it's a death sentence. So you must only be providing like a last rights kind of care. Um, I've had people that don't understand how children can have HIV or how heterosexual women can have HIV. So it's a real challenge out there educating people on why there are needs out there and why there's still needs out there. And I think one thing that Ancali does really great that I think all other programs need to make sure they're doing is providing that support for the volunteers. So they get continuous education and they know they have that support when they need it. Great. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. ACON is New South Wales's leading health promotion organization specializing in HIV prevention and support and lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender health. Reg from ACON joined us to talk about their work with volunteers. Thanks for having me, Heather. Um, so my name is Reg Domingo and I'm the uh, marketing communications and fundraising manager at ACON. And part of my role is managing the team in our events and fundraising uh, who oversees and coordinates a lot of our activities that would not be possible without the amazing work of our volunteers. So we're talking about volunteering in the HIV sector today, and I would say that ACON has some of the most visible volunteering initiatives that people might think, think of when they think of this topic. ACON has a very strong presence around World AIDS Day with the Red Ribbon Street Appeal, and many people in our communities would be familiar with the sight of ACON's rovers at Mardi Gras events. So which ACON volunteering program is your favourite? <laughs> Look, yes, Heather, you're right in that um, uh, ACON has a very strong volunteer presence and a, a, a really proud volunteer culture. In fact, look, ACON's very roots uh, are built on the foundations laid by our volunteers. You know, it was volunteers who came together um, to care for loved ones and community members affected by uh, HIV and AIDS in the early days of the epidemic. Um, and it was volunteers who came together and educated the community about HIV. Uh, it was volunteers who came together and held the first community meeting more than 30 years ago that would eventually become ACON. Today, look, ACON has, has over 500 um, active volunteers contributing in all areas of, of the organisation. You know, that 
from the top down, from our board of directors to our peer educators, as you say, to our wonderful Acon Rovers um, and our you know World AIDS Day Red Ribbon Street appeal volunteers. Acon would not be uh, what it is uh, today uh, without the contribution of our volunteers. So as you've just touched on there, um, Acon volunteers have played a really strong role in your education initiatives over the years. And ACON still has a strong volunteer presence in your peer education programs, including your Young Men's Peer Support Program and your Asian Men's Program. Can you explain why it's important that these programs are volunteer-led? Yeah, sure. Look, peer education is a key pillar in uh, ACON's approach uh, in HIV prevention, STI education, sexual health broader LGBTI health. Um, and this means that many of our workshops, including those for young gay men, as you mentioned, and Asian gay men, are run by volunteer facilitators. Um, having these workshops led by uh, peers who are volunteers, we find allows greater opportunities for our participants to connect and engage with the content. Um, there's a real different dynamic created when you have a volunteer leading a workshop rather than, say, a staff member or a specialist. We find that volunteers are willing to put their view, I mean, sorry, our participants are willing to put their views forward in this instance and debate rather than just accept what is um, being presented to them. So, look, we, we thank our volunteer facilitators for their incredible work. So it sort of gets away from that top-down approach yes. that you get with a lot of education. Yes, yeah. So who are ACON volunteers? You have a really diverse range of programs from party and event settings to community support with older members of the LGBT community to peer education to a whole suite of programs just for women. Are your volunteers just as diverse or is there a particular type of person that ACON volunteer programs attract? <laughs> Um, is there, look, I, I, I'd like to say that our volunteers are an incredibly diverse collective bunch of, of amazing individuals. Uh, you, you know, again, from our, our peer education workshops and our HIV testing services, our counsellors to those that provide home-based care and practical support, volunteers that assist with our LGBTI health initiatives, such as our recently launched Checkout Clinic. And, you know, we have volunteers in our research team, community safety, LGBTI ageing project, and those that also help us out with our fundraising, like Red Ribbon, Being Gay, uh, our annual honour awards. And, of course, let's not forget our, our wonderful volunteers in the regions, in regional New South Wales. Um, our volunteers are absolutely incredibly varied, spanning a whole range of ages, cultures and experiences. We welcome anyone who want to help us improve the health and well-being of our communities. So a big thing that comes through when we consult with volunteers is that they want to see recognition of the value that they contribute to their communities. So with such a large and diverse volunteer workforce, how does ACON make sure your volunteers feel recognised and appreciated? Yeah. Look, absolutely, credit where credit is due, and we're absolutely grateful for, for our volunteers. Um, you know, our, our many projects utilise various ways to recognise our volunteers, including certificates of appreciation and, and or social gatherings. An ACON tradition is our annual volunteer thank you night, uh, which is held in the week of National Volunteer Week. Um, where staff actually wait and serve on the volunteers to really thank them for their contributions for the past year. So that's really great. We're looking forward to that. 
Yeah. Cool. So some of the services we work with at Sydney Sexual Health Centre have volunteers who have been with them for many, many years, and whereas others tend to attract a high number of volunteers who spend a short time with the service and then move on. Considering that volunteer roles in the HIV sector may not be long-term and may not even be designed to be long-term, mm. how do you measure whether a volunteer placement has been a success? Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, look at ACON, we have you know um, people who have been volunteering for us for many years. Uh, and, of course, we have volunteers, um, you know, new people coming to us uh, each month, each week. And, yes, like your service, we have employees who began their ACON journey um, as volunteers. Volunteers really are the lifeblood of ACON. For us, the success of a volunteer placement can really be seen through the feedback that we get from, not just from the volunteers, but also from the clients and the communities that we serve, such as being the success of, of you know, some of our volunteer programs that they are still running today, years, if not decades, um, since their inception. Uh, you know, and for example, our peer education workshops, which are facilitated by volunteers, many of these placements are filled purely by word of mouth, you know, by peers telling their other peers um, to volunteer for this opportunity. So for us, those are the ways that we can see how successful a volunteer placement has been. As an organisation that seems to be doing volunteering well, what advice would you give to HIV and sexual health services who want to offer more opportunities to volunteers? Yeah, okay. So my advice to um, services in the HIV sector or sexual health services is, you know, look after your volunteers. Uh, listen to them, treat them kindly, um, express your gratitude, let them know how much you appreciate their work. Always really keep it interesting and make sure that, it's, that they're having fun. That was Tiffany and Jason from the Ankali Project and Reg from ACON. These two organisations continue to do exceptional work mobilising volunteers to support people living with HIV and to help move prevention efforts towards ending HIV transmission in New South Wales. Since the 1980s, volunteers have been the unsung heroes who enabled Australia's HIV response to be so successful and we should all feel proud of their contributions. You've been listening to the National Volunteers Week episode of the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast. If you agree with us that the work of volunteers in the HIV sector should receive more recognition, share this podcast around to show your support.